0: This is movie hopping for Monday, November nineteenth, two thousand and eighteen, part two, our two parter podcast. Is this all one podcast? No, no. Okay, it's two,
1: but it's, so it's like the sequel to the last one.
0: Yes, yeah. It's, it's actually it's a modern day gritty reboot of the
1: last podcast. So this somehow, is, so this is a reboot of the Widows podcast. It's exactly like Widow Well,
0: here's here's the thing, Widows. That was True Grit with John Wayne. This one is the new True Grip with uh, with, Jeff Bridges. with Jeff Bridges. That's what this is. They're too. Does that make sense? Have I spoken a language that you can now understand? For me, for that to have made set, I mean, Widows and
1: the movie we're going to talk about would have had to have been a little more similar than those. I'm, no, I'm saying the podcast specifically.
0: Oh. This is this is the new. Age version of the old story that was the Widows podcast. Okay, you see, I got you right. So now we're gonna get a lot more surreal and ambiguous and hoity-toity. You understand what I'm saying? I I do understand. So it's
1: like it's like the thing to the thing.
0: Right. Get ready for some quirk. Is
1: all I'm saying. (laughs) And some like Lovecraftian body horror. In this next one.
0: Certainly. By the way, I didn't mention this <laughs> on the last podcast. I saw the movie Overlord. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to do like, I'll do like two minutes on this. Um, That movie is so much fun. Yeah. It is such a good time. I heard it was fun too, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, so here's Overlord. It was supposed to be a Cloverfield movie. It was? Yeah. Oh. And then they said, now nah, we're not going to make it a Cloverfield movie. Um, And so it's just a movie about World War II produced by J.J. Abrams. And uh, there's zombies in it. Like, and that's it. There's like three zombies from what I understand. Um Yeah, I get. Well, no, there's more than 3. There's more than 3. Okay. Yeah. Um but and, well, they're not quite zombies, zombies either. But they th- they are though. It looks like
1: Wolfenstein, which is a video I've game. I've never seen or heard it's of a, Wolfenstein. It's a video game okay. where where it's kind of like like a robot zombie Hitler taking over the world essentially.
0: Yeah. So the, the plot of the movie, I'm, I can spoil Overlord, I think, and I don't think anybody would be disappointed with me. Um, it's, uh, it's about these soldiers that are in the Air Force, and they uh, end up in the middle of France.
1: It's the Normandy. I could tell just by the trailers that they were doing the Normandy landings, I'm assuming. Oh, I guess that is what
0: it was. The, yeah, I guess. The airborne
1: uh, 101st drop.
0: Right. And then shit goes down. By the way, the first 10 minutes of that movie, mm. the landing and yeah. the, the, the fucking jumping out of the planes is among the best scene I've seen in cinema this year. It's wow. incredible. It's so good. Right. <laughs> it is so tense and so awesome and thrilling. Um, and so, yeah, they land in the middle of France. And uh, they find this village, and they're doing scientific testing. The Nazis are in this village, and it turns out they're turning people into zombies. Cool. And it's awesome. It's just a great little B movie that uh, is, is great for a certain subsection of film goer. Not everybody. Sounds like my kind of movie. Yeah. You'd like it. Zach would love it. I told Zach this week it's <laughs> a perfect Zach movie. Okay. Uh, it's fun. It's silly. It's, uh, yeah, it's awesome. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Good. Overlord. Check it out in a theater near you. All right. I saw that. Do you yeah. want to do a quick couple on uh, Bohemian Rhapsody? Cuz I don't think I'm going to see it. We okay. have too much to get
1: to. Uh it's good. It's a lot better than the critics were saying. It's not a great film. It's uh it suffers from uh, a a few clichés that a lot of movies like this do. It's it's my other issue is that it's a little clean, a little too clean for its own good and glossy for It looked
0: like it. Yeah. Well, it's Brian Singer, right? Yeah, yeah. The so. guy, the guy works a little clean. Yeah, but I mean, even like, if he's not so clean around minors.
1: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes. the The movie is is uh, it feels very sterile, and that first the first act is is a little rocky for me. Like it it goes way 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 too fast to the point of al- almost taking me out of it but then the film surprisingly steps back a little bit and tones that pace back a lot and it becomes a, a lot more personal pers- becomes a lot more personal and interesting and um it, it, it's sort of juggling ideas on whether or not it wants to be a queen biopic or a freddie mercury biopic and it's maybe a touch unfocused for that but remy malik is 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 a commanding presence on screen is he gonna win the oscar Maybe he's really great, but I don't know. Bradley Cooper's I think he's better. I really yeah. do think he's better. But uh I, I will also say yeah, he's he is he's quite excellent in the role and I was worried I was just gonna see Rami Malik with makeup on, but no, I kind of got lost in his performance. It's quite good. And I will also say that um for what the movie is, it's 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 this is a movie that's incredibly efficient and overall effective. It's a very good uh it's it's a cable movie. Okay, and that's not a. That is not a. It's like walk the line. I like walk the line more, but okay, but that's that's not a, a a negative by by any stretch. I mean, you and I talk frequently about how much we love our our cable movies, of course. But this is a this is a very good film in 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 that in those regards. Again, it's nothing phenomenal, but it's it's certainly uh it it does its job in that way as as a PG thirteen film that's trying to I guess kind of introduce people to Queen who may not understand who Queen really is. That's kind of what it feels like. Okay. And oh my God, the sound mixing in this movie. I never praise sound mixing, but I if I didn't know any better, I would have thought that Rami Malek was singing everything. Really? It is incredible how seamless it is, the way they incorporate the, the lyrics and the music into every single scene. Oh, wow. Phenomenal work. In the, really? And the live aid sequence, if you were just talking about Overlord, the live aid sequence is one of the best cinematic uh, scenes I've, I've seen in, for... Probably this year. Oh wow! Really excellent stuff with a great with a great energy and rhythm, and uh, it has a it has this this a similar feeling to just being like, whoa, what the hell am I seeing? Uh, especially next to everything else that came before the movie, there's a strange kind of majesty to that whole sequence, and I loved it.
0: I did see a side by side comparison, I think, of the live eight sequence Ugh. with the original performance. I've seen it too, and um, and the performance from the movie. And how meticulously, not only does the camera move, but how meticulously Rammy mimics Freddy's mannerisms and uh, mimics his uh, choreography. It's it was pretty awesome. Kind it, of, it's almost weird. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's almost like a little too obsessive. It's like, okay, maybe you can color outside the lines a little bit, Rami. No, nope. like, it's like, you don't have to really become Freddy for this.
1: Yeah, but that was yeah through and through is about about as perfect as it could have gotten, and that's that, I guess that's another reason why I left the movie as satisfied as I was is that it's it's a film that as you as you like to say sticks the landing very 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 well. It's an f- incredibly satisfying ending. Oh, good. So yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Again, don't don't go in expecting it to be like the most amazing thing you've ever seen because it really isn't. Yeah. But it's 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 a nice solid efficient film that's like like I said trying to introduce people to Queen who aren't familiar with Queen and I
0: people think. seem to love it. It's done very well at the Office. Oh, it's a crowd pleaser. So it's it's yeah. a solid
1: that's a solid crowd pleaser for everything that it is. So
0: I was happy with it. Okay, it's, it's quite. It's yes, go see it. Okay, it's worth it. And and I will see it eventually because uh, I'm gonna have to catch up for the Oscars. It does sort of feel like <laughs> Star is Born is gonna sweep these things, though. It's really starting
1: to feel that way. Because I, I was th- like, here's the difference between Bohemian Rhapsody and a Star is Born is that um, for as much as I enjoyed Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, a Star is Born, it, it, it doesn't feel like that that. It doesn't have that level of filmmaking. I mean, I I was thinking about it. I was like, uh, there is a bit of a... I don't want to call it a factory mentality, but there is... Bohemian Rhapsody is so efficient in what it's it's trying to do. and so locked down with everything it's trying to do.
0: It's a studio project. Not to say Star is Born isn't a studio project, but it's sort of like, all right, we have to tell the story of Freddie Mercury. We've been wanting to tell this for a while. And... You're not gonna have a ton of artistic license yeah. when telling that story.
1: Yeah, I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at is that it's it's more focused on that and it doesn't feel like an auteur piece sure. at all. Sure. Which is not again, not necessarily a bad thing, but this but it there is a disconnect in that way from say like the filmmaker's vision and just what the movie is from all the voices that are trying to make it happen. Whereas a star is born just feels like Bradley Cooper decided to to make this thing his own. Sure. I mean that is a film through and through and it surprisingly is an auteur piece to me through and through just just through the way that he, he chose to make that movie yeah I, I really I really loved it despite
0: the fact that it's a very big uh, film with a massive ambition and massive scope mm-hmm. and also stars a bunch of movie stars but still feels personal and to it's, me. A, it's, it's the fourth time it's been remade like yes yes it I know it is the best possible version of that movie that you could have it, yes I agree it truly is it just sort of feels like they're clearing the way for it. It just does. I, I haven't seen or heard anything that could rival it. It's uh, certainly not in the in the acting categories. I don't think. Like I, I just don't see Lady Gaga losing. I I, I no. probably don't see Bradley losing for director. Maybe Alfonso makes a move, but again there's just been nothing they're just sort of clearing the deck for but them.
1: see not even for like best actor i mean I'm, i seriously think that bradley cooper's performance i mean because i think what he had to wrestle with in that movie is is much more difficult than what uh rami had to mess with in sure bohemian rhapsody personally. oh yeah i mean physically it's pretty close physically to what they had to do but on a just a sheer level of brutal emotion it's it's not like uh, it's not like anything that i saw in a star is born However, there is one really, really touching and kind of sad scene with uh, Freddie um, playing with a, a lamp and trying to talk to his his girlfriend. It was actually kind of...
0: I got a little choked up. Oh, wow. Because you
1: just feel so bad for him. Okay. So, yeah. so there's that. Uh,
0: all right. I'll see it. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it now. You ready? Yes. You tipped your hand on the last podcast. <laughs> you said this is one of your five favorite movies of the year. <laughs> it's probably four. <laughs> it's probably four. Um, so the cohen's all right i'm just gonna say this out loud it's time to come out of the closet on this (laughs) shit okay yeah the cohen's are my favorite directors of all time it's just time to say that out loud and so everybody knows it okay and i'm not ashamed to say it you shouldn't be ashamed to say it the cohen brothers are my favorite directors of all time i could very easily I'm at that point in my life. It just is, man. They just speak to me in a way that no other director speaks to me. I'm 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 in a transition
1: period now, Nico. Oh, are you? I, I like a few directors still have me. Fincher is not producing as much as he used to. That's part of the reason why I've stepped back a little bit from Fincher. That
0: was my problem with Tarantino.
1: Yep, Denis has me right now. It's kind of between Denis and the Coen brothers.
0: Yeah, I think that's where I am, man. Here's here's how I think of it, and I think this might not be the best way to phrase this. Debate, but imagine a movie theater, Mm -hmm. and in that movie theater, there are an unlimited amount of screens, and on each screen, there is the latest film from every director in the world. So you have a Tarantino screen, you have a Spielberg screen, you have a Scorsese screen, Denis made a new movie, right? And the Coen's made a new movie. Which theater do you step into first? Mm -hmm. And the answer for me is the Coen's. I am most curious to see what they have next. That's the one I most eagerly anticipate. Yep. You know, I remember I texted you on Friday. You had no idea that Buster Scruggs had just debuted on Netflix. Nope and when I texted you you're like okay I have to see this now and I and did. You watched it immediately yep you know and I watched it immediately that night as soon as I had time like I, I must see whatever these guys make so I don't know if that's the measure for favorite but it certainly helps pretty damn close well I was gonna
1: say I'm using that same analogy and, and I think about it now it's like yeah I'd be torn between I think Denis and uh, Cohen brothers right and I might even go Cohen's. sure unless like Denis was making Blade Runner 3 then sorry I would probably go see Blade Runner 3 directed by Denis Villeneuve right which even,
0: is but but <laughs> it is pretty <laughs> nuts though that these guys are 30 years into their careers they've made yes what 19 movies by now 18, oh god 19 it's amazing movies? how
1: many movies they've made and how many of them are as good as they are i
0: know <laughs> they are shockingly efficient
1: and they they make a lot of stuff because honestly even their weakest efforts i have not seen intolerable cruelty it's not good but i don't have like i mean lady killers is not great but i no. was like but it's stuff to like. Yeah, I was like there's still stuff to like in here. It's not a bad
0: movie. No. no. So I was like, yeah. No. And even Hudsucker Proxy. I like kind of I do too. Like <laughs> Hudsucker Proxy. That's a <laughs> good mo- No, it's not even in my top 2 thirds of no. Cohen Brothers movies, but yeah, love that one. It's weird and su- kind of surreal
1: and quirky and it's just I I I I don't know why anyone would have wanted to tell this
0: story, the, but
1: it, but it's it's wonderful. The
0: sequence where they're they're building, building the, the hula, hula hoops. hoops, and the hula hoop becomes popular on the streets of this city. And the guys in the office are brainstorming the names for the hula hoop as the woman outside the window is reading War and Peace. <laughs> I just, it just incredible. There is such great little stuff in there, and although, yeah, it gets a little out of control. I think didn't Sam Raimi work on that script too? Yeah, he's one of the co-writers. Okay, so the movie sometimes gets a little too big for its britches, mm-hmm. but still. Awesome movie. If anybody else makes that movie, that's in their top third. Yep. You know? Uh, But that's the thing about them, man. Each movie is unique and tonally different. And it's certainly visionary. And I do have a hard time sometimes, and I think we're going to have a hard time today, talking about these movies one day, two days, three days after their release. I just have a really hard time talking about them. Because they always grow in my mind. Not a single one of these movies has ever fizzled out after its first viewing. I've always thought about them a year or two afterwards. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, that's what I was saying when we did the Hold the Dark podcast and I compared Hold the Dark to uh, um, uh, Barton Fink. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't talking about it on a plot level, but just how the film worked on me personally. Sure. Where you just sit there and you're like, I don't really know everything that's going on in the script. It's weird. It's bizarre. I need to sit with it for a long time before I come to a, a comfortable conclusion on everything. But I, But I'm going to keep doing that because I trust that there is actually something there because of how these filmmakers work.
0: Right. And if you interrogate it a little more, there is stuff there. Oh, yeah. Uh, because like, dude, I watched Big Lebowski for the first time like anybody else, really, and I'm sure. Oh, re- and that, nice. uh, my point, and I'm sure like m- most people, I thought, what the hell is this? Yeah. I I just I didn't get the jokes, I didn't get the characters, I didn't understand what the movie was trying to tell me. That movie's got a lot of shit to say for a quirky stoner comedy about a bunch of bowlers. You know, mm-hmm. like that movie has a lot to say about sort of post Vietnam uh skepticism and anxieties and a lot to say about that generation that's sort of been lost uh and, and lacks purpose and sort of just hangs out in empty cities doing monotonous mm-hmm. things. Yep. And there's so much going on there that you you don't pick up on until God, 10 viewings? Yep. I mean I've seen Big Lebowski like 30, 40 times in my life and I pick up something each time I see it. Mm-hmm. So now you want me to come on here I've just seen The Ballad of Buster (laughs) Scruggs one time, and this is a dense-ass movie, man. There's a lot going on. I can give you some semblance of ideas, but, man, it's going to take me five years before I canonize this in their sort of filmography. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I
1: don't know where it stacks up right now. Uh, I mean, it's it's not. It's probably not better than my top fives. I don't. I it don't think.
0: F- it, I don't think it will. It might. I don't think it will crack my top five.
1: My what are my five? Co- I mean, uh, I don't really know what the ranking is. But No Country for Old Men, Fargo, Big Lebowski, Inside Lewin Davis, and I think Barton Fink. And then I put probably Serious Man after that.
0: I think I I think I go Barton Fink at four. I go Serious Man at five, Mm -hmm. and then yeah, Lewin Davis is knocking on the door. But that's another one though. Watch Lewin Davis. You know what? So no, I did. (laughs) So I did. So I watched Lewin Davis when it came out. I rented it. I thought, what the hell is this movie? It's fine, but there's literally nothing going on on screen. And I watched it. Uh, I I think two or three times since then. And then for the last time, maybe two or three months ago, I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch this movie front to back and I'm going to see what I'm missing. And I watched that goddamn thing and I said, this thing is the most brilliant piece of cinema I've ever seen. It's incredibly good. It's incredibly, incredibly good.
1: I Because I think it's my number three Coen Brothers film, potentially. It, you could justify it. Honestly, I could I could see people and making the argument for it as their best. And I'm not even kidding. I you can. I think it's an incredible one of the best films of the 21st century.
0: That movie yeah. is about a failure. Mm-hmm. It's about a man that is destined for nothing. Mm-hmm. It is, by its very nature, an unimportant movie. Mm-hmm. Yet somehow you watch that thing, and it is so subtly telling you everything you need to know about life. And everything you need to know about ambition mm-hmm. and everything you need to know about art and yep. music and struggling yep. artists, it's a movie about Bob Dylan by not being about Bob Dylan, true you know, and I love the folk music stuff i I love the fact that the guy is he is Bob Dylan, but he's not quite Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. and there's only one or two reasons why he's not quite Bob Dylan, yep, and there are a trillion Lewin Davises to ever walk the face of the planet. There's only one Bob Dylan, so you think all right, I've heard about a hundred stories about Bob Dylan. I haven't heard a story about Lewin Davis. And the fact that the Coens felt the need to turn the camera in that character's direction is so profound, man. It's like no other filmmaker would think to do that oh, yeah. and would be able to find that much intrigue in that story.
1: You got to find their the, the interview that uh, Guillermo del Toro does with them about the movie and how just casual and honest and sincere they are about it. But they have such a sense of humor about it as well. It's and i I feel like I've definitely said this before on another podcast, but when he questions them, he's like you know what 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 was your ambitions for doing this about someone who you know is constantly stumbling, and they were just kind of laughing, and they're just like, well, i mean we we had some panelists come to us' And just straight up ask us why didn't you do a movie about a successful folk musician? Right. It, it literally never would have occurred to us. Yeah. That's what they said. <laughs> that's, <laughs> verbatim. That's what Joel said.
0: I know. Why the hell? That's not how they roll, man. <laughs> no. That's not how these guys roll. And it's so
1: much juice. It's so much more juicy and interesting because of that. And it says so much more that I mean, so much more that you would be missing if you told to do it. If you chose to do a story about a successful folk musician.
0: Sure. Because we've seen. It's that not before. to say. It's not to say that I would. Wouldn't enjoy a Bob Dylan biopic. No, I quite like that movie that uh, I'm not here or whatever it's called. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I, I quite like that movie, even though it's a bit controversial. Mm-hmm. But yeah, th- they focus in on subject matter that literally no one in mainstream cinema think to focus on. Nope. Nobody, Mm-mm. like nobody, is thinking uh, uh, like Let's make a movie about a bunch of bowlers uh, th- th- that that smoke a lot of pot and uh, that sort of have anxieties that everybody else has anxieties about, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and and also to make that movie feel important and for that movie to capture the imagination of a whole generation of movie fans. Well, because it's
1: about genre. Right. When you actually break it down and see the many genres that it's playing around with, too, whether it's sort of Western or the, or the stoner comedies or if it's going to be a kidnapper or as a general crime thriller, whatever. And it's seeing what happens when you place... Sort of the dude who's I guess the everyman and put him in these many stories and genres and just see how it comes
0: out exactly and Reflecting us because of that. Sure. It's great And also like that bowling alley feels like the most important place in the world Yeah, even though it's a nothing place. Yeah. I mean, that's what they do. They they make everything Feel more important and they they beg questions that you would never think to ask mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's just nuts man. Like a serious man is another one like that is, that's another one that grew on me tremendously
1: to the point where I'm like, fuck. Oh my, now God. it's competing with this Cohen brothers. God. God damn it. <laughs> Dude, a serious
0: man is one insignificant college professors mm-hmm. journey through life. Yep. And it's the story of Job kind of, um, bad things happen to him sometimes by his own volition, sometimes for no reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and although it is a micro story, it says a lot of very macro things about the state of man, mm-hmm. and that's also a movie. Like the ending of that thing is just fucking incredible. Oh, God, it's like it, the storm is coming, and it's all co- and it's and and we are all in its path. It is you cannot escape this. Nope. You cannot escape death. You cannot ex- escape the horrible things that life has in store for you mm-hmm. you know that's what most of these movies are about no country similarly mm-hmm. is a movie oh. about death and how it chases you and aging and yep. beautifully so though right and how you try to kill death you try to drive him off the road even and try sh- to understand it even you just can't right. do it that's yep. what i love about right that you got a bone sticking out of his arm but he's still coming he's still coming to get you yep. you know he
1: uh, didn't see me i was already gone
0: Exact, exact. oh f- Fucking hell, man. So here's the point. Th- this is all to say. I have spent several years thinking about these things. <laughs> and I've spent several days thinking about Buster Scruggs. So apo- I-, I do apologize ahead of time. Me too, by the way. <laughs> if my thoughts are a little half-baked and I don't get what the hell is going on here. Because there's a lot to-, to understand. Here's my first question. hmm After that 25-minute uh, prologue. <laughs> yes. This thing was supposed to be a television show. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a television show. Mm-hmm. Netflix hired the Cohen brothers. They're like, yo, we got the Coens to make TV. <laughs> and they're like. And, and Hollywood is like, what? Like, like, I get it. Like, everybody's going to TV, but not the Coens. Surely not the Coens. No. So they hire them to do a six-part television show about the West. And it's an anthology show. And each episode has its own story. But, of course, the Coens, like, don't march to the beat of anybody's Ooh. drum, man. Like, they're going to do their own thing.
1: They, I call, I, I wrote a paper about them in college. I called them Hollywood's uh, successful troublemakers. Yeah,
0: that's what they are. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, they ain't Netflix. Who the fuck are you? We're the Coen's, man. And
1: you know they were thinking that immediately when they signed on, right? <laughs> like, yeah, we're just gonna fuck with them. And so they're, this. yeah. So
0: they're just like, uh, yeah, we don't do TV. Um, <laughs> and if we're gonna do TV, this is what TV is gonna look like. Uh-huh. Um, would this have worked as a television show? Was my question to you. Uh, the, I don't know
1: I don't, with, with, with those episodes and with that content at the end of it I probably would have said why didn't you just make it an anthology movie especially with how how thematically connected these stories are I felt the exact same way I felt the exact same way this would not have worked as
0: a television show it would have been it would have felt like I don't know it wouldn't have felt whole no no you're right you don't even realize it until it's all over but all of yeah. these short stories build towards a common thing, and they all are saying the same thing in different ways mm-hmm. and, all, and are also examining different elements of that same thing. Yep. This is a very depressing movie about death mm. and about the inevitability of death and, uh, and, and, and what it means and, what, and our ability to either come to terms with it or fight it off and how human beings, in different ways, cope with that same inevitability. Yep. As a TV show, man, I, I'm watching six separate episodes. No, doesn't work. No, does not work. It's too short, too. I don't know. It's like it, because when
1: you when you compile all of them together, I think you get a greater, grander, full effect than you would with the television show. I felt like it would have been very abrupt had it been had it been just those little segments strung into six episodes. I would have just kind of been like. Like, okay, that's it after each one, you know, like it's a simple idea, but I don't know. It's, oh, what's hey, fuck <laughs> talking about this is tough, but, <laughs> but there, but there is a greater, uh, it, there's, there's a much more, um, I don't know. It's a much more effective impact if you string them together to give you an idea of, of, of what each story is trying to tell. Like you said about, uh, the, the themes of death and, the certainty or uncertainty of it, or how we're going to cope with that, and, and how
0: and how different people cope with it in different ways, exactly, is
1: is the key. And I I don't know. I think you might have lost those ideas had you uh, separated
0: each of those stories from each other. Is what sure. I think. So. Sure. Yeah. I, mean, I I agree with you. I just think like the effect was much more stark mm-hmm. seeing them, and also they build. That's the thing. They crescendo into this final short, which. I adored by the way, and I I hope you feel the same way about it. Uh, We start this thing with a goofy musical number starring Tim Blake Nelson. (laughs) uh, And it's silly and it's like, okay, what the hell am I watching? And then by the end of it, we've seen a more dark, realistic, confusing, uh, almost, almost in the way that, your relationship with death changes the older that you get Mm -hmm. it's sort of by the end of it we've accepted the inevitability of this and the character on screen accepts the inevitability of what has just happened Mm -hmm. whereas at the beginning it's just like a guy that shoots a lot of people and takes names and sings uh, some interesting musical numbers, but you even, know,
1: but even as as the guy in white, he's no longer the good guy anyway, which is kind of interesting to me, right? And how it, it, it at the same time for for examining those themes that we're talking about now, it sort of deconstructs westerns a little bit, and, right? Which was which was nice to see. But there um, is
0: sort of in that first one a there's an immaturity to the way that Buster Scruggs deals with death, yes, yes, and how he's not ready for it. No, although ultimately he gets it, he's not ready by the end of it. It becomes you are reserved. You have been chipped away at as the audience and the characters on screen have been chipped away to the point where You know what, right, now we see it coming.
1: You know what each of these kind of feels like? It's almost like the five stages of grief. Yeah. When you think about it. In a it. way. Especially by the ending where it becomes almost more about acceptance. Sure. It's all it's entirely about acceptance. And it's just like yeah, thinking, of, hmm. <laughs> see what happens? Uh, see what happens when we talk uh, to
0: them?
1: Hmm, okay. And then I'm <laughs> thinking about anger and aggression and the, the second to, is it the second to last no it's the uh yeah no oh wow, wow. So you got
0: denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance right it, close i mean there's six parts so it's not yeah, it's not going to overlap entirely but it sort of gets there yeah you have the uh the gold digging guy in the middle segment that mm-hmm. approaches it with uh like fuck you death not today <laughs> yep you know it, exactly. he, he fights it off. He's, he's sort of in denial, but he's all you know. He he approaches it with a fight mentality rather than a flight mentality. Yep. Um. You have the girl in the fifth segment, who it, it, it's it's just she's she's scared. Yep. Like she's scared. Mm-hmm. Like she she is not ready for what's about to come, and she's not built for this world, and, d- and can't handle it as we figure out. But, right, and can't handle it, and so, and that's why that's that's how easy it is for death to take that victim. I would even go
1: if I'm if I'm uh, substituting denial for the first one. It almost feels like Buster Scruggs feels like he can just cheat death no matter what he does. Exactly right. Yep. Yep. And his cockiness is what gets in the way,
0: mm-hmm. certainly.
1: And then, of course, like I said, with that last one, with acceptance, like that one is literally about acceptance in a lot of ways.
0: Oh, entirely. It, yeah. So, um, okay, you you made a comment to me earlier this week. Oh. And you said that uh, one of these shorts did not work for you. I have a guess. I want you to tell me and I'll see if it overlaps with my thinking. Which one didn't work? So James Franco. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I, I have thought about this one a lot because it was annoying me that I couldn't get it anything out of it
0: right but I can't get anything out of it okay the the ending gives you a little bit I I got a little glimpse towards the end this this uh, hmm here's my problem with this segment Mm -hmm. it's just one punchline yes and all you're doing is you're waiting around for 20 minutes until that one punchline comes Just that oh guess what you're dead no matter what who cares bye right but but it's all it's also you you, you cheat it you cheat it you cheat it you cheat it but here you go. Yeah. And it's, and the only thing that that segment it's does is... It's like a is, psych out. Right. All it does is play around with your expectations of when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's it. So it was... Like, I, I understood what the joke was from the second he escaped the first time. But I was... Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And I just kept wondering. I was like, okay, wh-
1: what is it building to besides... Like, what is it going to say at the end of it besides all of that? It was like, you, uh, you could have had more had you not been deciding to constantly be cheating death with the girl well
0: I I just think I don't know that was his little it it, both at the same time was it like laughing in his face kind of I I, I, it was almost like it it took him that long to realize how cool life was yeah and and at the end of the day it was like it it was the stark contrast of here's the beauty of life and here's the ugliness of death And how sudden it is. Mm -hmm. It's just like in that moment, it's all taken away and and there's no going back. But it almost felt like
1: deliberately meaningless in that way, especially with the way it showed death. Right. There's nothing. It doesn't, it it just kind of, once it happens, it's over. It's so sudden. And even the, the other deaths in, in, in the, in the episode and just how kind of shocking and abrupt they are, like with the arrows with the Indians, Sure, which was a great sequence by the way. Right. And I also want to cite the, the hilarity
0: of pan shot, Pan shot was great. Pan shot. Steven root was awesome. <laughs> that was great. Spot. I love Steven root in these movies and, and he was dope. Yeah. I've never been robbed before. And then he <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's <in> his room. <laughs> crazy business, <laughs> crazy business. <laughs> that's he's good. awesome.
1: Like that's uh, like I was in, I was like, great, great, cool, cool, cool. What? Right. It, it just never felt like it went anywhere. It was completely unfulfilled for me. Yes. I and agree. I, and I felt like it didn't, it didn't say enough for what it was trying to do.
0: And also James Franco felt very out of place incredibly yeah. out of place <laughs> i didn't get that that amount of casting yeah even yeah. though the vast majority of this movie is felt is filled with perfect casting yes I, I thought some of it was just remarkable and we'll get to it when we get to it
1: uh I, here's the fuck it's like i feel like our bits are our favorite bits are going to be the same though yeah certainly they certainly are because i'll tell you this my favorite bit is not the last one another another is it okay mine? i know which one yours is though. yeah okay
0: Okay, let's go it. Let's go through it piece by piece. So we talked about the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. That's chapter one. Yes. Um, it, it, at first, it caught me a bit off guard. I'll be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. The breaking the fourth wall, the music. Uh, at first, I didn't love the angel wings. I didn't. I, I didn't <laughs> love the shitty CGI there. No, I didn't love it either. It, but again, it like looking at
1: just the cuz i've seen western like kind of like road movies that are the, that ridiculous and cheesy and you 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 find the heroes obnoxious like the thing is buster scruggs looks and talks like the hero but he is a psychopath sure <laughs> he is he, I, I i i wanted him to die so bad but at the same time i'm reflecting on it, i was like that is kind of like every like 50s western hero in a lot of ways yeah at least the the road musical that's exactly what they are and they're they have no no shame in killing who gets in their way and at the end of the day celebrating for it like that's not good right
0: right <laughs> certainly yeah certainly and also he thinks that he is a god himself he yeah. thinks that he's bigger than death
1: i mean to his credit <clears> that the mother the motherfucking can shoot
0: yeah! Oh, Holy no. shit! That, that guy can shoot.
1: I mean, my God!
0: <laughs> Some of the violence I found to be at times cartoonish, but in the best possible way. <laughs> I was watching it with my parents. We get to
1: the scene where he gets his finger blown off, and they're just laughing hysterically yeah. every time he gets his yeah. fingers. The blown finger off.
0: getting blown off when he kicks the board on the table up, <laughs> yeah. and the dude shoots himself in the face three times. <laughs> Poor Mister Krabs. Yeah. It, <laughs> oh, that was Mister Krabs. Yeah, it was. It felt like a more violent raising Arizona. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh. Yeah, this is yeah. They used to do this a lot. They used to do a lot of slapstick, over the top physical
1: comedy. Well, even in the the camera work, which is it moves around a lot. I was actually very surprised at how much
0: camera movement there actually was. We should take a second, by the way, to talk about Bruno Devenal. uh or, or, or is that how I'm pronouncing this? Is it Devenal or Debenal, Whatever, uh, <laughs> Debenal. Debenau or Debenau? are you seriously gonna fucking yes i am you're really gonna <laughs>
1: nitpick that this is never gonna end by the way Debonel, Debonel.
0: whatever it's chocolat, not chocolate <laughs> so he's only worked with the Coens once before right and inside lewin davis and, and it's funny inside lewin davis is perhaps their most distinctive looking movie mm-hmm. or at least is separate from the pack in many ways. Yes. It has this sort of hazy, dreamlike mm-hmm. quality to it. It's very angelic and white and fuzzy and but kind of bleak and, and cold all at the same
1: time. Right. It's 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 feels like an like it's exhausted, if that makes sense. Which yes. is very fitting for what the movie's about. Certainly.
0: Um and so I I was sort of similarly caught off guard by this work that uh that our boy Bruno did. Because, first of all, it's digital. Mm-hmm. They oh, shot uh, it on digital.
1: Th- Maybe my only criticism with it is that I could tell immediately
0: that it was digital. Or that it was digitally shot. Yeah. So it looked very lifelike, almost too real at times. Mm-hmm. And um, that sort of bothers me, considering that these guys are old school directors that uh, like to work with film. Mm-hmm. And Deacons, of course, also likes to work with film. Um, but uh, I, I, I did think that it built to a a very interesting crescendo. The way that each of these shorts were shot had their own sort of visual style that I
1: appreciated. It was like, again... It felt like something. It was there was a fantastical element to the, right. the way it was shot, especially at the end. But, I mean, the ending is is for what's going on there. It's a little more obvious, and it works in that way. Yep. Um. But even like the scene with the with the Tom Waits, it just it's just magnificent. Yes. And everything it feels like something. Like if I'm gonna shoot something and and have the entire the entire story that I'm telling be literally out of a storybook. The collection of short stories, this makes the most sense to me. There's something just very magical about the way that it looks.
0: Yeah, the way that he shoots nature and also the way that he shoots the raping of nature, essentially, mm-hmm. is is just so stark and gorgeous. Yep. Uh, and again, like I, I do wish that a little bit more of that was done not only on film but also done practically. Like You could sort of see the special effects at work, and I wanted a little bit less of that. But still, I, I do want to shout him out because— <laughs> It, it's easy to overlook them when Deacons isn't working with the Coens. Yes. But the cinematography here was, was quite good. Yes. Uh, and yes, although that first short did catch me off guard, I, I dug it. I did. I, oh no, I dug it too. I dug it. I dug <laughs> it hard. Uh,
1: Surly Joe, Surly Joe. That's yeah.
0: all. I, that's, I love that song, even though it's obnoxious as fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then uh, we go to the Franco segment, mm-hmm. which we've kind of talked about, but... which we kind of talked about and it's sort of nothingness. At least. It just felt like a again, a bad punchline. That that one was called near Algodones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There we go. Um Meal Ticket is next. What'd you think of Meal Ticket? I kept thinking of Ryan Coogler. Wow. <laughs> well, those were not the first <laughs> thousand words I expected out of your mouth.
1: Yeah, I kept thinking of Ryan Coogler. <laughs> I was like yeah uh ryan klugler is liam neeson and the chicken is space jam (laughs) that's all i was thinking of
0: oh i see (laughs) oh i get it (laughs) oh i understand now got it (laughs) (laughs) it's just about selling out
1: Sort of, in a way, well, it's a lot more than that. <laughs> it's the b- most depressing version of selling out I've ever seen. That does say a lot more than just that. But that was the that was kind of the the core idea that I that I was walking away from.
0: Yeah. Um. So this right here is my favorite segment. It
1: is your favorite segment. Okay. It's not my favorite segment. Yeah. This one's my favorite.
0: Yeah. Um. I thought the casting of Liam Neeson. I can't believe I'm saying this. Was goddamn incredible. Mm-hmm this is perhaps the best use of Liam Neeson I've seen since Schindler's
1: List. And he doesn't say anything in this, which is so weird. No. But, oh, God, is, every, everything you need to know about him is just said on, by his face, and it's excellent. Yeah.
0: It's so good. There's so much I, going on in this thing. Mm-hmm. It's so funny we're talking about two Liam Neeson movies in the same week. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. Liam's having a big fall. Uh, so th- the short is about a... Carnival Barker, essentially, Uh who travels the country with who we find out is just his latest act, and it's a guy with his like quadrupedal—is that what they would call them? I
1: quadrupedal handicapped. The guy's got no arms and no legs. Yeah, he's 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 the Black
0: Knight, right? Yes, he's the (laughs) exactly. (laughs) He's the he's a very uh, depressing version of the Black Knight, and so Liam Neeson takes this guy around the country. And he performs a series of monologues from Shakespeare to the Gettysburg Address to mm-hmm. all of these other sort of historical accounts of of, uh, of of mankind. The Constitution is in there. The Constitution is in there. And he's just up there on a stool going from town to town, sometimes performing for audiences of like three people. And there's Liam Neeson with his hat going around the audience trying to... Scrape by money for dinner and then they go to the next place and it's just this sad, pathetic portrait of what it's like to be a traveling artist and a traveling performer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much going on here just in terms of, first of all, what it says about artists and the places that an artist has to go in order to be an artist. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's a very... I, w- I don't want to say cynical... But it's a it's a depressing portrait in terms of it's just honest yeah <laughs> it's just brutally honest. Well, the idea that you have to have no arms and no legs in order to do great art, mm-hmm. right? And and that's how much you literally have to sacrifice. Yep. And they're going from town to town, and Liam Neeson has to feed this guy and help him pee, and and uh, like they're sleeping outside in the woods in the cold in the cold woods, getting and, drunk and right. And the the highlight of their lives is driving to this brothel where where the no limbed man is forced to sit there and listen to Liam Neeson have sex with this prostitute in one of the funniest images I've seen.
1: It's fu- I, I I was laughing hysterically when he's like, oh turns him right around. it turns him or, <laughs> spins him around so he doesn't see it doesn't take him out of the room he just yeah. turns him around
0: right oh god that right. was great it, it and it repeats itself it's a bit monotonous because it repeats the same monologue over and over and over again and you get the sense of what it's like to be these guys mm-hmm. um so just on that level in in terms of in, in the same way that like whiplash mm-hmm. and la la land are movies about artists that have to really struggle in order to make great art and to sacrifice in order to make art. Yep. This is a movie about guys that sacrifice and struggle and are literally go through the pits of hell for nothingness. They, for nothingness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothingness. Mm-hmm. And then on top of all that, you have this haunting punchline at the end of it. You have this
1: haunting climax. Really sad and depressing. Oh, my God. It's like as bleak as you could get
0: to. Oh, it, it, it's among the bleakest things the Coens have ever done, really. Oh, my
1: God. It's, it's, it's just like in, in, in trying to struggle for their, for their art, they become monsters.
0: Right. I mean, oh, my God. Exactly. Liam finds this chicken that knows how to do math. So he buys the chicken. And now he has no use for the stump man anymore. And so uh, off the bridge he goes. Huh. but it's done so ambiguously too and so artfully and wonderfully and oh gee this is why i love the Coens, man mm-hmm. this is why i love the Coens. i i really do this this thing spoke to me and i do like oh, yeah. the rest of them as well I, I i like the vast majority of these shorts uh for some reason this one is the one i've been thinking about really I, I just felt like every note was played entirely right i did
1: <laughs> Yes, I agree. It's it's chilling, and uh, the dynamic between him and the the arm armless and legless uh, man is just uh, how, again it's another example of how much they're communicating with je- with each other and how troubled they are with one another. And you kind of get the sense that it's not going to end up w- very well for them just through them looking at each other.
0: Right. I love the shot, and you keep trying to figure it out too. Like, what's their relationship? Yep. You know, you don't quite get it. Yeah. You really it, don't. Is this, this is this his son? Is this. Uh... It's, Are it's they just, business partners? What's the deal? Brothers?
1: It's like a, it's like maybe it's just like a freak that he found at a at a at a circus. Yeah, that's all. It's kind of what it feels like to me. But like the shot of when he gets the chicken and he's just looking down at the chicken and he looks like he's about to cry as he looks right. up to, like oh
0: god. I know it's so much. It's so haunting, and it is a bit of a cynical portrait of art, but mm-hmm. it's real, man. It's just yeah. it's so real. Yeah, it's, I loved it. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, uh, but not that, my favorite. Okay. Then I think I know what it is. The next one is All Gold Canyon. It's not this one, is it? Oh, it is. Yes, it is. Wow. <laughs> so this is my second favorite. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. All right, we're 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 kind of lining yeah, up here. Go, okay, yeah. all right, good. Yep. Oh, I, I'm surprised, actually, though. Yep. Wow, I'm surprised you like this one that much. I love this one. I loved it. I'm surprised you loved it this much. Loved it. This is the Tom Waits one. How yep. about you take it away?
1: Oh, so this is uh, about a... But a guy who's an old man mining for gold comes across this beautiful uh, vista that's just been occupied by nature. It's about the most magnificent thing you've ever seen. And he comes by and thinks that maybe he could, you know, start mining for some gold. And as you alluded to earlier, he starts, like, reaping the shit out of the land and trying to dig for as much as he can, like, half-killing himself for this gold and doing everything he can possibly do to find out where it's actually going to be. And it's just about his struggle and everything that could possibly go wrong or go right to make sure that he finds his treasure, finds Mr. Pocket at mm-hmm. the end of it all. Hey, Mr.
0: <laughs> Mr. Pocket, I'm coming for you, Mr. Pocket. I'll see you tomorrow, Mr. Pocket. <laughs> you're old.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or he's like, I'm old, but you're older. That's yeah, you exactly right. I'm old, but you're older. Mr. Pocket. And it's a very, again, similarly honest but it's 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 funny. It's the most optimistic I've seen the Coens be in a while. I think. Right. And it's it's an interesting uh, view, I guess, of the American spirit in a lot of ways. But you know, m- more more so the human spirit than just the the American spirit. I don't, I don't want to uh, nail it down to just that. But it's one of the more satisfying entries, I think, that uh, they've had in this entire
0: collection of of short stories. And I mean, it has an happy ending. It's one of the few with a happy ending, right? Yeah. Exactly. And if, Is it the only one where someone doesn't die at the end? Well, I mean someone does die at the end, but it just But not but yeah, but not in the same way though. No, no no no,
1: Are, no. The guy, the person we're "quote unquote" rooting for, does not does not die. Yes,
0: right. He's the only one with a happy ending. The rest of these do not end very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, again similar, about cheating death, really. Yes. Is what it is. Well,
1: what you have to go through to to cheat death and then ultimately be be and carry on peacefully. Right. It's something. There's something very weird and touching about it that that did speak to me, and. I, I don't know. Like I, I walked away from that one feeling the most fulfilled, I believe, which is ultimately I think why I it, it turned out to be my favorite. Yeah. So um I felt similarly. Yeah. I did. Uh I loved I again the cinematography in this scene I think is the best. In, I mean in I, all the segments. I, I
0: concur with that. Beautiful. I, I do agree with that. It uh it was optimistic. It did let the guy get away with the gold. It was a celebration, weirdly, of American capitalism, yeah. which is something that I don't think the Coens have ever done. No, like the Coen's are famous for lampooning rich guys behind desks with bags of money. Mm -hmm. I mean, the vast majority of their rich capitalist characters are goofballs.
1: Well, because in this situation, it's humble, I think. And they're more interested in that than, than the big guy. This is not the big guy at all. This is but it kind of is, though.
0: I mean, this is the guy that got away with a lot of gold because he found it.
1: No, but he's he's this little kind of sad, pathetic man that's uh, almost feels like he's on his last breath. I remember when he was digging and 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 you know, getting putting the pan in the water. I was like, is he going to fall over and die? The more he does this, he right. just seems exhausted. And wonderfully, he does not. And I felt like it was sort of championing people like him, almost a, a different, oddly, it's like sort of the the the, um, the livelihood of someone who is still aged. Which is very obviously in total contrast to something like No Country for Old Men. But there's there's an intense sense of passion and spirit to someone like that. Because he knows he's going to die and he's on the way out. So he just gives it his all.
0: Right. Tom Waits is awesome in this too, by the way. Yeah. He gives an awesome performance. And it's a one-man show. I mean, he's mostly talking to himself the entire time. It's
1: my favorite, I think, performance in the entire film. Yeah, I think you're right. I I loved him in this absolutely loved him in this yeah and yeah uh, and i like tom waits as it is uh not as much as a I, well i don't know i do i like a lot of tom waits music
0: uh <laughs> do I, I i can't say i can name a tom Waits song i i know
1: his voice though That doesn't you know, sure but i know yeah his voice is very weird and raspy and it's it's not like what he was singing in this <laughs> for sure <laughs> it he sounds like the joker
0: right uh, yeah
1: and yeah, a little bit, I suppose. So, uh, But he's, uh, as an actor, I quite like him, and I liked him in Seven Psychopaths. So.
0: I'll tell you what, I love that moment where when he finds the gold, and he's looking down, and oh, all God. you see is the shadow, and you see the so shadow move twice, like, and you don't hear a peep. And you know,
1: but you know what it is anyway. And he
0: knows what it is, and as you put it together... It, it, it's just so haunting, man. Oh, and it's, it's like, scary. that's what the Coen's do so well. Oh, it's so, sc- I was like, it's not going to end on this. No. Right. And then it, it, it and thank God it doesn't. And oh, I'm so, geez. and, it, and it, it, it could have ended on that note, I but they so- also made the more difficult choice mm-hmm. by not letting it end on that note and saying something as, as you said, triumphant and optimistic about the, the human spirit. And even, even in some, in,
1: in, even in the, the, the portrait of someone who you feel like it, it, the, can't possibly have any more. the fact that it can keep going even after you've just been shot in the back right it's wonderful it's really it's a really really beautiful uh uh story that they told with this one yeah. i was in- incredibly happy with with the, the the directions it chose to go and i was worried like okay well he's it's i was still worried that he was gonna die like he wasn't he clearly wasn't gonna be able to dress his wounds but he still persevered through that and at the end of it all he you know he got what he got at, he got exactly what he wanted out of this this beautiful land and then it all went back to, to normal and it was peaceful
0: right and every, and every yes exactly everything yep. was back to normal the way that he sort of negotiated too with nature i thought was interesting yep. and the way that human beings the way that our our ambition it, it it's hard to coexist with nature because we're such ambitious animals that enjoy conquering things yep. and we as humans often have to come to some sort of compromise and say yeah, we'll 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 pave a parking lot over this part of the forest, but we'll protect this part. And so we're always negotiating, and it's tough to see exactly where that line is. And there's literally a scene in this where he climbs a tree to <laughs> steal, the- right, to steal eggs from an owl, and he says, uh, "Yeah, I'll just steal one. I mean, <laughs> owls can't count anyway. Well, I can a bird count anyway. Exactly, exactly. And I just thought that minute was so interesting." It's not like a Lorax situation. It's not like <laughs> a, a, a hard and fast, you're killing nature type story. It's, yep. it's loose and ambiguous, and it's in that gray area that the Coens live. That's, yep. like, that's where they live and breathe, man. It's just in that. I loved it. In those questions you haven't answered yet. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. All Gold Canyon, among my favorite segments in this as well. Uh, the Girl Who Got Rattled. Stars Zoe Kazan from your favorite movie, The Big Sick. Not my favorite movie. You love that movie. But I love that movie. You love that movie. Love that movie. Yeah. Zoe Kazan is in this one. This is the biggest epic, I would say, of the whole thing. I think it's the longest story.
1: Well, there's another thing is that each one of these movies almost feels like it's taking a, a whole different element of Westerns that we understand and just doing its own little spin in a short story.
0: Right. Yes. This is the sort of, I'm leaving the home front. I'm exploring this unknown land. Yep. I don't know anybody. It's the the, the wide-eyed optimism that, that that's on the other end. Yes. And this is the story about someone that can never get there. Mm-hmm. And just because she's not built for it. Yep. Like, some people are built to take over the world, and some aren't. And this is the horribly depressing story of a woman that's just not built for it. Second favorite. Okay. Yeah, I figured you would like this one. That's mm-hmm. that's that's what I figured. It was not among my favorites, but I, I understand what you would like about it.
1: I kept thinking that the lead guy who asked to marry her was Bradley Cooper for a while. Yeah, who was that guy? That guy know. was good. He looks and sounds just like
0: Bradley Cooper. He looks and sounds like a cowboy. Yes. Which helps. Um... Uh, do you do you remember his name? No, <laughs> Mr. Arthur. Yes. Oh, that's right. It is Mr. Arthur. Is it Mr. Granger Hines? Hmm. Is the dude's name? Okay. Yeah. He he was he was quite good, man. Um, or no no no. I take that back. No, it wasn't. This guy's name was Billy Knapp. Oh, and Arthur was the and Arthur was the other old man that fought off the Indians. Uh, Bill Heck was the dude's name that played okay. the other guy. I liked him a lot you know in uh in, in a number of ways this was not just a story uh about this one man's or this one woman's fear it was sort of about our anxieties of the unknown mm-hmm. and and how they can mislead us yeah and and i i thought very subtly was about immigration uh, that's just sort of how i read it maybe i'm totally off base potentially but sort of the way that native americans in this are vilified and she calls uh, them savage. She calls them savages. We never see the perspective of the Native Americans. It's always told from our hero's point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that fear that, like, is the death of her. It's her own downfall. She literally shoots herself in the head yep. because she can't take what's coming. She can't take the unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found that I just are... to be a very subtle sort of, you know what, maybe immigrants are in all rapists and murderers <laughs> type message. I found that to be at Pretension. least partially the message
1: potentially i like that fear of the unknown and just letting it eat you up though and you know right. no matter how hard you try there are just certain things that you're not conditioned for and that you're not built for and that you're maybe not meant to even understand yeah or, or even conquer which is what that felt like to me it was uh yeah that one was incredibly sad and depressing one of the more effective moments in the entire uh in the entire series of, of vignettes that we get yeah with the again in the backdrop of this really grand epic that we're being shown right which is, which is different because again it's it's for as, as epic as it is, it only really focuses on like like a, few, a couple characters,
0: right? But it, but it's longer and it takes you through basically the 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 entirety of this girl's life. Like it, yeah. Like her life is home, and then brother with her brother, and then marriage. Yep. And the her she learns so much about her life, and she grows up in so many ways in this three to four day span. So, uh, it, it, you're right. It certainly does feel bigger, like the rest of them. Uh it's cool though man it's really it's really cool and again the performances were awesome they're always awesome in Coen Brothers movies yeah, though. like it's hard to have a bad performance with that material I love
1: that old the Arthur character yeah and just when he comes to life when he has to try to save her right because <laughs> you don't get a good idea of who he is before then but then when he has to help her it's a totally different character and it's yep. great
0: yep it's like oh we got a fight on our hands <laughs> right. you're gonna
1: have us a good fight
0: right <laughs> <laughs> Just so great, and how that guy is conditioned and built, oh, God, and you just the it. juxtaposition between him and her was awesome. Yes, awesome, awesome, awesome. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. And finally, uh, the mortal remains third favorite. Okay, wow. So you didn't like the Liam Neeson one all that much?
1: No, I did. No, but no. When I when <laughs> I say like like, like the drop off with the James Franco one is drastic. Okay, that's very important for me to note. Okay, got it. It is drastic. Got it. Because I I then. Like I said before, this is probably my fourth favorite of the year. So that
0: should tell you how much
1: I liked all these vignettes. Sure. Yeah.
0: Uh, All right. I'll admit. I'll just say it. Like, I've only watched this once. So maybe this will become more clear on the second or third viewing. The conversations in the stagecoach went a little over my head. They, They just did. They just soared right over me. And I was having a hard time following because it was a lot of dialogue and it was boom, 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 right up against one another. Mm-hmm. And so I got a little lost and I almost thought to myself, and foolishly, I almost thought to myself, all right, just tone it fucking back, you you, you pretentious old like Hollywood writers. Like, chill out, man. Like, I get it. You're smarter than me. You don't have to tell me how how much smarter you are than me, you know? Literally every single line. Yes. It's just like, tone it back a little bit. Um, But that being said, I love where this thing goes. No filmmaker in the history of American cinema has understood how to end a movie better than the Coens. Mm -hmm. They have the best endings in all of film history. Yep. And this was another one where um, the character played by, I I forget who played the man there. Uh, One of the guys,
1: one of the passengers? Was he the trapper, I guess? Not Brendan Gleeson, the other one. Right,
0: yeah. No, the uh the, the guy who who, the, who he is the final shot of the film. Oh, what the
1: hell is his name?
0: I guess he I'm I'm seeing in the credits lady, Irishman, Englishman, Frenchman, and the trapper. So I guess either it was either the no, Englishman the, no, or the trapper. The
1: trapper is the one with the uh the, the he's the Frenchman. Okay. The trapper's the one with the skin on his head.
0: Okay. So this guy, he is the final shot of the movie. Uh, he they enter this hotel and this hotel is clearly a metaphor for death.
1: Well I thought they were dead the whole time. As oh, a, is that a, what you thought? When it's it was the shot of uh um of the 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 coachman the guy who's who's driving the wagon. He's the grim reaper. Yeah, it's like he yeah. won't stop. Right. Oh, well, it, it looked that way to begin with. I was like, well, this is gloomy and it's like almost like deathly and almost seems like it's disconnected from reality. And then it paid off at the end where they're literally taking someone up to... They're ascending to heaven yeah.
0: in this hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was awesome. I... I need a couple more viewings in order to dissect exactly
1: what's being said here yes me too i had the same even on second viewing it's because they ramble a lot there's literally a joke about the trapper rambling on and on and on it's kind of funny but right you sort of lose focus on what exactly is supposed to be said in these in these moments because i was wondering if they were just trying to get uh, one up on death again maybe just trying to be like we're not accepting the moment that they're in and, you know, just trying to trying to escape it once more, reason with it. And maybe that's what this last one is. It's a summation of everything that came before in the film,
0: yep. possibly. Sure, so, certainly. Yeah. I, I couldn't help but think, like, what if a few of those bodies on the top of the stagecoach were, were previous characters. Oh, like I be. thought like, you know, maybe that there were subtle nods to that. I couldn't quite tell.
1: Would have been a little, I, I almost kind of like that. It wasn't though. That would have been maybe too obvious. Right. You know what I mean? So, uh,
0: but at the end of the day, these characters, they find this hotel, they're going up to heaven. It's very visually stark in that way. Mm-hmm. The metaphor is, I, I won't say obvious, but is fairly clear. And, um, they come to terms with it, and although they're scared of what's to come, mm-hmm. although they are hesitant to enter those doors, the final shot of the movie, you see a guy closing the door and saying, it's okay. Yep. And and although it's kind of a dark ending, I guess literally, yep. it, um, it's also kind of a, I don't know, a sweet one, and I don't know, an uplifting one. As, uh, as uplifting a, an ending as a movie about death could be, I guess. Yes, I agree. It's it's because I've seen movies do that before. Some
1: that even I I've I've said it before in this podcast, which I know you don't like, but uh, I like the idea when um when a movie says like death death is gonna come and there's nothing you can do about that and uh, yeah that that's that's perfectly okay. It's it's better to to walk into it and accept it and not be afraid of it because there's nothing you can really do about it. Right. Yeah. So you know, embrace it. It's not not really a bad thing. I mean. To people, to people on the other side, I'm sure it is, but to us, it's like no, nope, yeah, we got it. We kind of got to love it for what it is when it comes. So
0: exactly, I yeah. like this movie. Yeah,
1: I love this movie. I think I like it.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a lot to like. Mm-hmm. There really is. Yeah, and there's so much more that I'm going to pick up on the tenth time I watch it. Good watch too. Like it's one that I easily watched
1: again. Right, too. and I, yeah, I've seen it twice now. So. It was it was just as fulfilling, if not more so, the second time because you all, do pick up a lot more.
0: All that being said, yeah. it's very weird, yes, that when a new Coen Brothers movie comes out, I'm watching it on my TV for the first time. It's just odd, man. It's uh, strange. I don't
1: know if I've I think the only one of their movies that I've seen in theaters is inside Lewin
0: Davis. Yeah, but still, and no I I get that, but uh, it, it <laughs> this should be bigger. Yeah, like I still feel like there's a bigness to the movie. It's a western, right? <laughs> yes, you're right. This thing's meant to be seen on the big screen, mm-hmm. and it's there's, it's meant to be an event, and we're losing that. Like we're losing this whole institution of you go either with a date or with your friends or by yourself and you sit in a theater with a bunch of other people and it's dark and you don't have your phones out and you're sitting there looking at that screen and just watching the movie you're, and there's nothing else yeah it's a it's the commitment to the film viewing experience yeah you're in a cocoon as you do it and you're isolated from the world and you know if every single movie comes out on Netflix now if that's our future we're going to lose that we're going to lose that specialness i don't want to be like old man jenkins here but still it doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right when I text you. You didn't even know there was a new Cohen brothers movie out that day. Yeah, and it's just sitting there, and anybody can watch it whenever. No, we should draw attention to this because it's important and it's special art. Right. It's, it needs to be seen. It's very strange. I mean, listen. God bless Netflix for giving the Cohens a blank check, but
1: still. But, but Cohens better not be, you know, tempted by that. Which I don't think that they will. But. I don't know how long their deal is. I don't know if they have another couple of movies lined up or, or what. Stick to, just stick to the big screen, guys. Yeah. I'm t- the biggest detriment of The Ballad of Buster Scruggs is that it was not on the big screen. Yes. That's the biggest flaw I can Precisely. level against
0: it. And I swear to God, if you're one of those people that's like, oh, I have a long bus ride. I'm going to watch this thing on my phone. Fuck you. Yeah. This podcast ain't for you, Holmes. Yeah. Turned it off right now.
1: All right. That's all I got. How about I'll, you? I'll agree with that.
0: You got anything for me?
1: uh see uh the Ballad of buster scruggs also watch ash versus evil dead oh (laughs) oh right (laughs) oh right yeah
0: yeah you started watching that
1: i i binged the first two seasons uh in exactly two days i started watching the first season like later at night finished the second season at the following night you're not a binger no, never been a binger. I'm not much
0: of a TV guy. You enjoy some fine wines. You sip slowly. I do. Yeah, mm. but this this is a new leaf for you. <laughs> this is my favorite show
1: I've seen since Fargo.
0: Wow. Yeah. Have you finished Fargo?
1: By the I way, I haven't finished Fargo. Speaking of the Coens, I have not finished Fargo yet.
0: How many seasons have you watched? Just I've the only first seen the first one?
1: one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got to keep going. I know. You need to keep I know, going. I know. But this is this is but even even still, the Ash versus Evil Dead is. I was saying to you it's the probably the best Adam show that has ever existed. Right. And to like to like a oversaturated amplified degree like more than any script I've ever written. Right. This is like the most Adam you could possibly find. This is right out of your head. You will you will have a conniption watching it. It'll, like, it'll almost be like a surreal experience if you watch this and be like, hey, so Adam, I really like the show you, that you just made." Right. <laughs> so like, it's
0: like, "No, if you won the lottery, like you would pay to do like a Evil Dead television show that looked exactly like this, right? They just I, sort of let it be Evil Dead again, from what I understand. Yeah, I haven't watched any episodes.
1: Aside from, like, two episodes in season two, yes. Okay. Yes. Does it work as a television show? Does it, like, yep. as in, like, there's a... each Well, each season feels like its own, like, separate movie, okay. almost. And it works in that way, and it's it's similarly cheesy and tongue-in-cheek, which is what I love about it, is how tongue-in-cheek it is. But it fe- I mean... Visually, the the two seasons look very similar, though. But it does uh, carry over as well as it does. I think because of the length of the episodes, yeah, they're only half an hour long, right? Which I don't know. It makes the it makes it flow uh, much better, and it gives it a better sense of the. I, I don't know like like the Evil Dead series is very fast and it's it's very like it's 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 quick and it's it's a little ridiculous but I don't know something about that plays better to something that's only half an hour long than stretching it out to the seriousness of
0: something that's uh, an hour could not agree with you more I I don't know I mean amen to that
1: I don't know if I'm making sense no you're making perfect sense
0: because I have felt the exact same way there is something about hour long television episodes that bog you down mm-hmm. and they you're right they come with this added weight to them it's yes. like you need you're taking an hour of my time you better give me something important with half hour long shows you can you, you have a lot more freedom and you're allowed to just sort of let loose and be funny because, this, because you're used to watching half-hour-long comedies. You're not used to watching hour-long comedies.
1: It, well, it felt like I never had to worry or, like you said, get bogged down while watching. I felt like I could just relax. Right. Even though— And at, you're only taking a half-hour of my time. But the, at the end of it, it was taking up a couple hours of my time. Right. You, but you didn't I didn't even exactly. realize it. it exactly. Yeah, exactly. It was great. And my God, the show is fun. This yeah. is the most fun show maybe that I've ever seen. There's a
0: show yeah. on Amazon right now called Homecoming. Oh, yeah? And it stars Julia Roberts— which is such a weird thing to say. Julia Roberts is doing an Amazon Prime television show. <laughs> okay. And it's uh, directed by Sam Esmail, who did Mr. Robot. Okay, And he's an awesome director who is another just visionary, one of those types that's going to be around for 50 years. And that's also a drama, and it's also half-hour-long episodes. Mm-hmm. And there is such a freedom to that, to know, like, all right, we're just going to give you a half hour, and we're going to play around a little bit, and we're going to take some chances – and it, not every episode is going to be breaking bad but in that way it 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 feels like it, it, it feels so much more alive than say an episode of mad men or an episode of law and order yep. or, or an episode of these other shows that it, it's a commitment it's like this is this is homework i'm doing yeah a half hour show never feels like homework no nope. which is great and as you said because of the binge watching model it doesn't matter because you watch four episodes at a time anyway, yep. and so you've just watched a two-hour television episode, yep. and you didn't even know it. Exactly, you know—that's
1: exactly what it felt like. Right. And oh my God, was it thrilling and satisfying to watch? And Bruce Campbell is just one of the most wonderful human beings that has ever lived.
0: So, <laughs> so yeah. there you go. I think that's as good a point as any to end this podcast on. God bless Bruce Campbell. It's on Netflix, Nico. You should watch it. Okay, you should watch it. I will. I will check it out. Eventually.
1: And Sam Raimi directed the pilot. And it's a Sam Raimi episode through and through. I Holy shit. I, yes, I did
0: hear that. All right, awesome. Yep. There we go. Uh, you're at some Adam Hall. I am at some Adam Hall. I'm at Funny Nico Tweets. Okay. Tweet us on there. Cool. Too TooManyThoughtsMedia.com or TMT.media. Did you get all that? Yes. Taking notes? Mm-hmm. Very right, good. Until next time. Happy movie hopping.